Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're here studying the gospel according to John. We're in that famous passage in chapter 11 with the raising of Lazarus from the grave. What a wonderful, wonderful truth to see this sign this miracle that Christ performed. Now we've come to that portion of Scripture after praying, after establishing the fact that God the Father and He were at this job together. We come to verse 43, And when He had thus spoken, He, that is Jesus, cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I made the point, I want to make it again in this session. This was not a request. This was not a suggestion. This was not a quiet little interlude with Jesus simply saying over tea and coffee, what a wonderful day it is, and uh, Lazarus, come forth if you want to. No. This was a loud voice. This was a command, as if a command in war or a command in tumult or a command of some uh, political giant, if you will, or some uh, ecclesiastical prelate. This was a command, and it was, Lazarus, come forth. Now, if you have a command, you have to have it issued by someone who has authority. If there's a command ever issued, it has to come from someone with authority. And so, let's see, did Jesus have the authority to command someone to be made alive from the dead? Obviously, he did. It happened here. But let's go into that authority for just a moment. For a command to be effective, it has to be given by someone with authority. And the authority rests first and foremost in all things with God. You can't find a higher authority. That's why when we had the Declaration of Independence, we had the Constitution put together, but especially in the Declaration of Independence, we find ourselves as being made by the Creator who gives us inalienable rights. We know that we have inalienable rights in our Constitution of the United States of America simply because God gave them to us. There is no higher authority. A piece of paper is no authority compared to the authority of Almighty God. A law passed by a group of men and women is of no use, no authority, no effect compared to the command from the authority that is authority of authorities, Almighty God. 
And so here, Almighty God in the flesh, Jesus the Christ, God the Son, the Son of the living God, was here speaking. And so when he gave the command, it was with authority. Now let me hasten to say that God has given us authority in certain issues, in certain things. It's written in his word, and we have the authority of God's word to back up our authority in ecclesiastical matters, in other matters, moral matters, and that authority is in God still. It works through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, and through the people of God, but the authority still goes back all the way to God himself. And so when we have a command, and in this case, this specific command was for Lazarus to come forth, when we have a command, it has to come from someone in higher authority than the one being commanded. Okay? It has to come from a person of authority. And Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, had the authority to command death to flee, to command life to be apparent and abundant. All right, so we know that if there's a command, there has to be an authority to give the command. If there's a command, there has to be someone subservient to receive it. There has to be someone subservient to receive it. And so in this case, the person who was receiving the command was Lazarus. The command went with a loud voice, an authoritative voice, Lazarus, come forth. And so, Lazarus, of course, was subservient to Almighty God. He was a human being. And we, who are human beings, must be, by definition, subservient to Almighty God. If we are not subservient to Almighty God, we're in a state of rebellion. And if we're in a state of rebellion and we're not subservient to Almighty God, then we're in a position of being destroyed and placed in damnation for eternity at any moment. That's where we go back to John chapter 3 when we studied in the gospel. Uh, there in chapter 3, where in verse 15 we're told that Christ did not come to this world uh, to condemn the world, but the world was condemned already because the world was not believing and was not living as God would have it to believe and to live. So Lazarus indeed was subservient to the one who was making the command. Then you've got the fact that if a command is made by someone with authority to someone who is subservient, the person who is commanded must be able to perform the command. There must be some ability there. Now let's look at that very closely. Was it Lazarus who was able to walk out from the grave on his own? No. No. Let me say it again. No. N-O. No. Lazarus could not raise himself from the grave. Well, then when you say someone has to have the ability to obey the command, what do you mean? It's very simple. If a command is given to a subservient person who receives the command, and they respond and are unable to take care of the command, 
then the command is of no effect. It's useless. You demand something to be done, the person refuses to do it or can't do it, I should say, doesn't have the wherewithal to do it, then it's worthless. In this case, the command was given to Lazarus and the ability to perform that command was also given to Lazarus by Almighty God. Isn't that true of everything that God commands us to do? Think about it. How much in your own work, in your own ability, in your own self, how much holy living can you do? I thought so. None. In your own self, how long can you keep yourself in Christ? I, I'm, I'm thinking here, I'm waiting for you. The answer is no, none, no time, no, no amount of time. Uh, and how many of you could bring yourself to Christ when you were dead in trespasses and sin? You couldn't. It was Christ, through the Holy Spirit of God, calling you and wake, awakening you from your deadful sin condition to be able to respond to his wonderful invitation of life. Wow. So here, we have someone who's in authority who can make the command. We have someone who's in subservience who can follow the command and obey it. And then they're given the ability by the one who commands. Lazarus was given the ability to come forth because of the miraculous working of Almighty God. And so the cry went out with authority, with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, went to Lazarus. Lazarus is the subservient one, willing to obey the command of the one in authority. The ability to obey the command is given by God himself. And the command is personally to Lazarus. This command was not given to the graveyard. This command was not given to anyone and everyone within the hearing of the voice of the Savior. If it had been come forth and no name given, the entire graveyard ever how many graves there were there, ever how many bodies in this one tomb, uh, or in the tomb scattered about, they would have all come walking out. Because, you see, that's the power of Almighty God. However, God uses his power as he sees fit. And in this case, he saw fit to raise only Lazarus from the dead. Now, how can a dead man hear the command? I can't tell you, but I know God took care of it. How can a dead man rise from the dead? I don't know. It's called a miracle. But God empowered him to come forth from the grave. So the command went forth with authority from someone in authority. It went to that subservient one who was empowered by the commander himself. Oh, this gets good. And the command was to come forth, and he came forth. Oh, I would have loved to have been there. I would have been shocked like everybody else. I would have been probably so faithless that I would have needed that to have faith. 
I might have even been following with Christ afar off and not knowing what was going on, I would have been so excited. I sure hope I wouldn't have been on the side of the Pharisees. That's that's for sure if I'd been there. But, you know, we can put ourselves there by thinking about it and all that. But in reality, we weren't there. And that's why John wrote his epistle, or I should say his gospel, for us. So we could understand what Christ did. And so, this one who was commanded followed through on the command. And he did so under the power of God himself. Lazarus, come forth. What a wonderful command. So succinct, so short, and yet so life-giving and life affirming. Now, what had Christ told us just shortly before this? He had taught us that he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Now, that means in the spiritual realm, but it also here means in the physical realm. Lazarus was already in Abraham's bosom uh, as a righteous man, as one following the Jewish law. And uh, as that, he was taken from that portion of paradise, uh, Abraham's bosom, bosom, and was brought back to this cruel world where he had died. We don't know what he died of. We know that he was sick of something. He wasn't poisoned or he wasn't uh, stabbed. He wasn't murdered. It would have said murdered in Scripture. If he'd been murdered, he died of an illness. And the illness apparently was taken care of because he's back. Verse 44, And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot, with grave clothes. Now this is important. Understand that when someone died in this time, the custom of the Jewish folks was to take that body, wash that body, prepare it with spices, um, that means they would anoint the cloth and maybe the body and the, the wash water and whatever else with spices so that the body would not begin stinking immediately. And they would wrap this linen cloth around the body and then put the body in the grave. They did not put the body in a box. There was provision made for putting bodies in a box when the bodies were so mutilated in wartime they could do that so that the family would be spared grief. But when it came to a regular burial for someone that died from an illness, they would be washed, they would be anointed with various oils and spices, and then they would be covered with this linen cloth. They'll be wrapped with it, sort of like a mummy wrapping. They would be wrapped with this cloth and then laid in the tomb or in the grave as i say they were not placed in a coffin so if you think about this if you've studied the shroud of turin that's one uh, grave cloth style that uh, that we've seen often they had a long piece of linen there that went from the foot over the head and down uh, to the feet again and then after they had covered the body with that they would wrap around the body whatever was needed to hold the linen in place. That was not the style of wrapping here. At least, if it were the style of wrapping here, 
There was also an additional portion to the wrapping, and that additional portion was this napkin, this face cloth, if you will. And that's what uh, a number of people uh, have reported, of course, and when we get to see the uh, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we'll note the same kind of thing. Uh, But here uh, we see uh, a good description by John of how Lazarus was bound in these uh, death garments, if you will, or this death garment. And so he came out, he was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. It wasn't just hand and foot, he was bound all over with grave clothes, but the hands were bound, and they they would take them, and and imagine this, you're you're making uh, palms are open, Uh, And you have uh, one palm on one shoulder and one palm on the other shoulder, and your arms are crossed. That's basically how they would bury them, and then they would would bind them like that. Uh, And when they put those cloths on, those strapping cloths, that's how they would bind their arms. And the legs were just bound together. Um, They wrapped both legs together uh, in that cloth, and so it was hard hard to walk. Well, I mean, they didn't expect anybody to walk, did they? Because they were they were dead. But uh, it would be hard to maneuver either with hands or feet if you're like that. So it's interesting to me that he was even able to stand up and to walk, but he was. And uh, sort of a hop, 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 I would think, coming out of the grave. And here he is bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Uh, Think of a large bandana styled, not styled as in color, but uh, a linen cloth about the size of a large bandana. That would be the face napkin. So uh, that way you can can sort of visualize how the body was wrapped uh, when Lazarus was there in the grave. And so he comes bounding out, needing help because he needs to be unloosed from all of these uh, accoutrements that he has. He's going to have to be uh, unbound so he can talk. He's going to have to be (laughs) unbound so he can walk and move. And he's going to have to have some clothes on, because uh, he was bound in these these grave clothes, so you'll need some clothes to wear. Also, it's interesting, too. Now, uh, I've seen this even in modern time. Um, and I've been at the bedside of a number of saints that have gone to glory, and I have uh, been with um, families that have been grieving after the death of a loved one. I've been with the um, coroner as the bodies have been removed, and I have been with the funeral directors uh, uh, as we were getting ready for preparation of bodies. Um, And so I've seen a lot of this as a pastor over the years. And none of it is easy. None of it's easy. And, and I uh, so respect those that uh, in, in very um, difficult situations help families with their grief. I really respect those funeral directors and workers within the funeral industry who love the Lord Jesus Christ and do that because it's a ministry. And I appreciate them very, very much. But here, what we see is that uh, they probably also had tied the jaw tight. Now you do that, and I, like I say, I've seen this happen even in modern times. Uh, you take that uh, linen strip of cloth, 
and you might roll it once or twice, and you put it under the chin, bring it up above the ears to the top of the head, and you tie it at the top of the head to hold the mouth closed. And uh, that may have been the case with Lazarus as well. And so he would have had someone have to loose that uh, band that would have been on his chin and on his head to allow him to even speak. So imagine this. I mean, in one sense, it's hilarious. Here's this guy coming out. Hey, you know, and he's all bound up and it's sort of a funny sight, but it wasn't a funny sight to them. You know, we've seen too many movies or something that would make it a funny sight for us. This was an awesome sight because this was a dead man coming back from the dead. And he needed your help to get loosed and going. Loose him and let him go. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.